morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and Rick Bernardo, our co-host, will be starting off the show today with a short clip that he'll share with us what it, that clip represents. This is a clip from the Today Show last September featuring author Javier Zamora, author of the book Solito, a memoir. In the breathtaking landscape of the Arizona desert, writer Javier Zamora sees both beauty and pain. This place has done so much harm to me, but now a lot of the time it seems like it's giving back. It seems like it's apologizing to me. His relationship with his surroundings is complicated. He endured a perilous 3,000-mile journey from a small town in El Salvador to the United States by himself at just nine years old. As you know, Connections Radio Show, the goal is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us. They get us thinking, get us talking, get us get us communicating about things maybe that we don't often talk about or think about, and perhaps inspired or uh, challenged to do a bit more because we've made the connection. Our topic today is Love Thy Neighbor, Forging Connections in Our Disconnected Americas. This is the second part of a two-part series that we started last week. And as you all probably know, the new border regulations that took effect in um, early morning, Friday, May 12th, brought a sudden pause to the chaotic rush of the migrants hurling themselves into the Rio Grande in recent days to reach the United States. But the pent-up frustration of those who've risked everything to reach the U.S. border, spending their savings to pay for coyotes or journeys of thousands of miles trekking through dangerous jungles, made it clear that the problem was far from over. There are hundreds of migrants, mostly from Mexico and, and Haiti, lined up at the official border, crossing into Brownsville Friday afternoon to seek asylum. We often talk about Texas, but there's also Arizona. We'll be focusing a little bit more on Arizona today, and we have some terrific guests um, that Rick Bernardo has invited um, and this is also stemming from Rick's journey to the border in February. Right. I had the privilege and honor and inspiration afterwards of being with a group of people, 18 of us, uh, I believe, 17, 18, depending on who was in the room at the moment or out in the desert walking with us, from Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. That's where last week um, uh, we spent a lot of time with Reverend Dr. Um, Del McCormick, uh, who basically knows the area, and that's um, – we also uh, this morning have two more of uh, the people that were with us, and that's going to be Betsy Cussler, uh, who's a longtime teacher and just uh, active in all kinds of ways, and one of the uh, pastors at Plymouth Congregational Church uh, of uh, Art and Justice, uh, Seth Patterson. And so um, we also have uh, another uh, major presence in this area of work down in the area that we spent time with, uh, Reverend Randy Mayer. Uh, he's also with us. And good morning, uh, Randy. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. Good to be with you this morning. Now, you were one of the first uh, people, aside from Dell, that we spent some time with, and I'll, I, I hope I never forget, I mean, it would mean my brain is going, uh, that walk in the desert we, we took uh, with you. And it was just a, a walk, and it was in the daylight, but you shared with us um, a number of things. So anyway, say a little more about your, your work down there, because you spent a lot of time in the desert, uh, also with Samaritan groups helping people. Yeah. Uh yeah, I've been uh, a pastor here along the border for 25 years, and uh, we have been very active in offering humanitarian support to migrants in the desert for the last at least 20 years. Um, you know, walking the trails, uh, putting out water, uh, and giving medical support. We've helped literally thousands of people over the last number of years. We also work in Mexico. Uh, at a number of shelters that we support and accompany the people that are there. So it's uh, very uh, challenging work, but it's amazing how uh, the people that we are working with are just um, filled with um, compassion and ready to do whatever they can, not only to help their families, but to support uh, and each other as they make the journey. We talked a little bit about assumptions that people make uh, in terms of thinking about the border. Um, what what way, what what would you like to have uh, our audience think about in terms of what assumptions are made and, and the difference in the lived reality? Yeah, I think some of the assumptions that people in the United States, especially in the interior, don't always understand is that you know these people that are coming up to the border right now are escaping horrible, horrible situation, poverty, uh, climate change, and um, the violence that's happening to them. I was just in Mexico last week and I was talking to a family um, there, a family of five, and the, they had left because the cartels were pushing on them and, and wanting to uh, kidnap their children. And so, they fled with everything on their backs. And uh, when they uh, arrived at the shelter, they finally felt safe, but they received news the night before that their family, the, left, the family that had been left behind, the parents and uncles um, and nieces and nephews um, were all gunned down by the cartel. Um, so people aren't leaving because it's a choice. It is something that uh, they have no choice. They have to leave these places. And if they return, they will be killed. And so that's, it's a life or death situation here along the border. And it's tragic to see um, the various administrations trying to stop people that are really clearly fleeing violence and um, are legitimate people to accept into our asylum program. And it, it, it's survival. It, it, is, it, it yeah, is life it, or death. It just makes the pacifist in me want to hurt somebody. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, 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 it's uh, anger. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a righteous anger that comes up in me. It's like, it's like where are the superheroes? Uh, except for Randy Mayer, you know. 
Well, there's there's yeah. a whole lot of other people yeah, that are yeah. humanitarians down here, but it is yeah. um, just a, a tragic okay. situation, and I wish people could really meet and hear the stories. Once we come face to face, a lot of things um, melt away, and we see our brother and our sister in that, right the compassion. Know, how how do we create that sense of us? Is always been. Uh, Something that I've struggled with. What? Why? Why does it always come down to an us and them? And and what? What can allow us to have empathy and and a sense of connection? Since the title forty two has uh, been uh, uh, switched to back to title eight, <laughs> what have you seen any changes? Um, yeah. Yesterday I was. You know. Yesterday was the first day after it uh, had been, this Title 42 had been lifted. And so we were out in the desert because that's where we feel, at least in our area, we are going to experience, um, uh, you know, uh, people that are, are crossing through the desert. Um, right now, um, we, we uh, encountered about 14 people, which isn't a whole lot when you think of what's happening in, in El Paso and over in in California, I think that's where the surge is happening now. But once those areas, because of Title Eight being enforced, and people don't have a a, a way to come into the asylum program because it's going to be very limited, people are going to be going uh, forced. They're going to be forced into the desert, and so we're not seeing that surge right now. I think uh, it's relatively calm, but we are fully expecting that there will be thousands of people in the middle of the summer where there, it's 110 degrees crossing with their families. Um, and it's it's going to get very deadly. Well, we have just a couple minutes left in this first segment. What I'd like to do is um, bring in uh, our two other guests that are in the studio today and just share what why you felt it was important to go on your journey. And then we will discuss more in the next segment. But I'd like to at least set up the, the segment that we'll be coming into with, why did, why did you go? What, what was it that, that drew you to go on this journey uh, in February? And we're going to start with Betsy. I think what drew me was the feeling that this was a very important issue about which I knew very little. And the, our first experience at Randy's church uh, Monday morning was with a group called the Samaritans. And probably I was about eight when I heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And I have always believed in it, that you must show mercy not just to the people whom you recognize and whom you know, but you must show to the people that maybe you don't know or whom you maybe know are not like you, as that parable illustrated. And so I was very touched and very moved by having this opportunity to see, see it in action. Now, we're miles from there now, but I came home thinking, how can I translate that into action here that will help people maybe when they come from Arizona to Minnesota how can I how can I be informed rather than ignorant and how can I be helpful rather than passive wonderful story of the Good Samaritan because what I love about it is it was it was action oriented there was empathy 
And with that empathy, it wasn't just a moving on, but it was yeah. a call to action. So, Seth. Yes, hello. Hello. Art and justice uh, is part of what you lead up in your church, but you put this uh, journey together. This was through your church? It was through the Plymouth Church in Minneapolis, and I am the Minister for Justice and the Arts, uh, but I did not organize it. I was a participant uh, like everybody else and and being present and learning in my own way. And I went, uh, I am most importantly the, the spouse of a immigrant from South America mm-hmm. uh, whose family escaped, uh, to connect to this, to what Randy was saying, the Sendoro Luminoso uh, violence in Peru in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the father of a nine-year-old and hearing Javier Zamora talk about being nine and crossing the desert. I have a nine-year-old I love very much and imagining her crossing the desert. So being present in that place. And and alone, a nine-year-old alone. Yeah. But she doesn't like to play alone, let alone cross (laughs) the desert. Yeah. Many stories like that, though, that we heard when we were down there. And we'll hear more in our next segment. Speaking of the Good Samaritan, I do have a website, um, about the Samaritans that you met. Uh, it's gvs-samaritans.org if you'd like to learn more about their organization. Highly recommend having you take a look uh, at that. But more, most importantly right now, stay tuned. We're just going to have a few commercials and then we'll come back and we'll discuss more about the lived reality and uh, the concept of how we can love our neighbor and, and connect perhaps our disconnected Americas uh, in a more rich way. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz. Uh, I'm your host. And our co-host, Rick Bernardo, has been putting together some wonderful shows and terrific guests uh, based on his journey that he took down in February. To lead us off for this segment, um, we do have a, uh, a clip that I'll it's let you a sound up. clip um, from the Today Show back last September at the publication of Javier Samara's book, who journeyed as, as nine-year-old across the border. Over only it took three months, but this is from uh, this features Javier Samora, author of the book Solito, a memoir. His two-week trip through Guatemala, Mexico, and the Sonoran Desert stretched into nine life-altering weeks. I think the fear as a kid was that I was never going to make it, that I was never going to see my parents. What's going to happen if I am by myself as a nine-year-old kid? His harrowing story fills the pages of his memoir called Salito. It's pieced together from his memories, many unearthed through therapy, Wow. So our <laughs> our topic today is love thy neighbor, uh, forging connections in our disconnected Americas, and you can't help but love Salito. I mean, your heart just goes right out to that child. I can't imagine a child for nine weeks alone in the desert trying to figure out um, how to how to survive and how to cross that. Um, how to, how, how to get where he is today. So uh, Salito will be here in the it, Twin Cities, right? Uh, Javier Samora will be here oh. at the Central Library in Minneapolis on the 23rd 
of May. So just just like a week and a half or what, what day is this? Yeah. Uh, and and there also will be a webinar. So if you want to search on your browser for uh, Hennepin County Library and there's an events page and the webinar is still open, uh, the, 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 the in-presence uh, is and, full. And how about if you introduce some of the the guests that and, we have today yeah. that you traveled with And how we journey. came here yep. was uh, February 18th to 24th. I was with 17 other people from Primeth. Congregational Church of Minneapolis. We spent six those six days on either side of the Arizona Tucson area, but different parts of the Arizona Mexico border. And we have with us this morning Betsy Cussler from the church, and we have uh, Seth Patterson, who is a minister of justice and the arts or arts and justice. They're both there. at the first time. Yeah, okay. All right. I just wanted to emphasize how important that is. And uh, and then we also have. Uh, the pastor of uh, the Good Shepherd UCC Church uh, along the border uh, in Sahorita. I'm not sure if I said that right. And his name is Randy Mayer. Uh, and good morning to all of you. Um, so we, I know we had a question we wanted yeah, to explore. The, we were um, we were thinking at, during our, our break time uh, about how important advocacy is. We we talk about advocacy. Uh, but sometimes advocacy gets translated in our minds as to policy and it becomes um, sort of a discussion and a negotiation. But there's also an advocacy of people showing up with water and showing up uh, to do something, to to give. Um, I'd, I'd love to explore what does it mean to be in the present moment of advocacy uh, what does it mean to show up and do something? Uh, later in the show, we'll, we'll be exploring with the audience things that they can do. But tell us about what you are doing and when you were on your journey, what you each did that impacted um, and, and perhaps gave you a different sense of advocacy. Um, Pastor uh, Randy, I'm going to let you go first about your thoughts on advocacy. Yeah. Um, you know, we – I didn't move down into the borderlands really to work on immigration. It really happened. Uh, my wife and I wanted to live close to the border. We love the culture, the food. And, uh, you know, we started having migrants knock on, on doors, uh, our own doors, the doors of the church, the doors of members of our congregation. And so we were giving uh, support and advocating for migrants. Um, and then uh, as we got deeper into the conversation, it really be moved to, you know, we can't just, Jesus didn't really just sit in his house or a house waiting for people to come. Jesus really traveled um, to the margins to bring compassion. And so that's how we advocate is really going to the places where we know people are dying and being present and offering a different voice. You know, our government has a voice that they're sharing. Uh, the Border Patrol is sharing a voice. But that's not the only perspective. That's not, they don't own the truth. We also have a piece of that. And so we need to be present offering a different story. And the story we offer is not our own story. It really is the story of the folks we encounter. We hear wh why they're leaving, what they're hoping for, what their dreams are. Um, and so we're really advocating in the presence of 
uh, you know, we go out in the desert to save lives. And what we find often is that our lives, our, our own lives, are saved by who we encounter. And we want those people to be front and center um, and have a decent, um, a dignified life and a dignified journey. Seth, what did it mean to you for advocacy? To be present, to not... Uh, I'm, I'm inspired by a quote from Elie Wiesel, the um, prolific author and Holocaust survivor, who says, to hear a witness is to become a witness. And I wanted to go hear witnesses and see it so that I could be a witness myself. Uh, if you are not present to it, then judge, to be present is a judgment potentially a judgment-free moment where you sit in it in all of its complexity and make meaning out of it later. <clears throat> I needed to be present and not just hear the stories. Were you changed by it? Profoundly. And in what ways do you feel that you were mostly changed? <clears throat> to one of the things that struck me the most was with on a desert walk with Randy in the desert – um, crosses set up where people were found. And on it, it will say, adolescente desconocido, which means an adolescent unknown, or more specifically, not yet met, an unmet child was alone there. And to be present in that moment, feeling the heat and the cold, the, the, the desert was strangely cold, or at least based on my perception, I did not expect it to be cold and wet, but it was. And uh, to be present in that moment to a child alone who had died not far from a house yeah. was profoundly. And to honor that moment. And we would shout presente. Present. Yeah. We are present. <clears throat> we are not pretending this doesn't happen. We are not ignoring it. We're not turning away. We are present. We are standing in this. And that changes you. In your journey, Betsy, you, you mentioned in the last segment Samaritan, which is, I think, the greatest advocate <laughs> in terms of being present and attending to need. How were you changed by the journey? I think migration was an abstraction for me. Um probably thinking of pilgrims and the mayflower mm -hmm. if anything if you had if i had had to come up with an image or a concrete example and when randy took us out our first afternoon there we went to church at his church and then he took us out for this desert walk and a desert walk i'm thinking sand dunes someone said do you want walking sticks i said no no i walk all the time well, the next thing I knew, I was stumbling through arroyos and practically turning my ankle and um, running into cacti and, and getting them in my clothes. Randy gave us combs to brush them off. And we read in the book, in, in uh, Zamora's book, he reads about this woman who runs into a cactus and she's got them all over her face. And it's very painful. And it's dark. We could see. And so what they went through and what they were willing to go through, and not one time or two times, but for Solito, for young Javier, three times it took him, that these are people who want life. 
and this is what they are willing to risk for it. And as he says, uh, he still has PTSD over this. It was a courageous thing to do. I saw the passion of these people to, to have a life and to live freely and safely in our country. And how do we go about making that possible? And that's a wonderful way to close this segment with that question. And we'll continue with that question. How do we, how do we all be present? And how do we all look for something better to create the connections versus the disconnects that we have? So stay with us and we'll continue our conversation of the journey to the border and love thy neighbor. radio show where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our co-host Rick Bernardo has done a beautiful job bringing good people together to talk about the border. He's also made some selections of some clips uh, that we listen to at the top of each segment. So exactly. tell us about this one. Yeah, this is a, another sound clip from the NBC Today show back in September when Javier Samora released and published his book of his journey as a nine-year-old from El Salvador, uh, took him three months. He couldn't even tie his shoes. And this is just one more sound clip uh, from Javier Samora, author of the book, Solito, a memoir. The question is, was it worth it? Hmm. Has her sacrifice been worth what that has taken out of us? I think the dream of the United States and the reality of the United States did not match. Mm -hmm. And when they don't match, you keep asking this question, why am I here? Why did I just do all of that? Oof. And our, our show today explores uh, the border, but it's a, it's a bigger uh, discussion. It's really about the disconnected Americas. Um, what are our pathways to connect? What are our pathways to understand? I, I'm moved by the quote that we were just heard about, the dream versus the reality. Sometimes I think Americans are kind of in their own little sleep <laughs> where we're not, we're not aware and not present to the issues that we face. Pastor Randy, uh, well, first um, – Rick, introduce all the good folks before I just jump in. I've got a bunch of questions, but why don't you do some introductions yeah, at the top um, of our so show? So we had a group, from, yeah, a group from Plymouth Congregational Church, included many, uh, 17 other people, but two of those are with us, along with Reverend uh, uh, Randy Mayer from Saharita, uh, or, or he's an activist down there. But in, in the studio also, we have Betsy Cussler and uh, Seth Patterson, who's a minister at the church uh, as well as. And, and um, I just want to say one thing. Uh, when, since we're wanting to see how we can wake up, I'll never forget Brother Donald at a Catholic uh, high school I was at said on one of my papers, the person of faith never has to be afraid of the truth. And I always keep that in mind. You'll just find out what is happening and what is not happening and then deal with it appropriately. But sheltering ourselves from facts or truth uh, is never serves us. So anyway, the, the we've truth, got these people. Truth can be hard. Yeah. Um, it requires us to change 
if if we are going to be open to new truths. Yeah. And that's difficult because I think we can get uh, comfortable with our own perceptions and it makes us feel good. And we don't like feeling bad sometimes. <laughs> but this is not a show to make people feel bad. But this is a show that says, how do we stand up and love one another in a true, deep way? How do we get connected? How do we show that love? And how can we be open um, to learning new things? And with that, Pastor Randy, what would you most want our audience to know about the work that you do? Um, and and. With this opportunity uh, in looking at perhaps dream and reality, um, give us more what the reality is so that we can enlarge our sphere of understanding and perhaps our sphere of actions. Yeah. So, you know, my perspective here along the border and the borderlands is that, you know, we really didn't get into this issue, uh, the challenges down here. In the last five, ten, you know, the last administration, this administration, it really has taken a hundred years or more for us to get into this situation, and uh, we're not going to get out of it uh, quickly. It's going to take a lot of work. Um, I've been down here for th uh, th five administrations, and each administration just piles on bad policies and more militarization. Um, which causes people to um, have to make difficult decisions. Most of the people I encounter in the desert or along the border have already made a difficult decision to leave home, um, leaving with every nothing but the things on their back, really. Um, and so we encounter them in lots of different places, but, uh, you know, the borderlands is deadly. And our government has been intentionally pushing people into the most dangerous parts where they will either die or they can be tracked down. And they're really treated almost as animals and uh, disposable. Um, and that's what we're encountering right now as Title 42 has been lifted and Title 8 goes back into place. We really are in a moment where our government is literally going to turn its back on people and they're going to force them into the most dangerous parts where everything, it's so hot in the summer out there, you just literally can't carry enough water. Um, and they, you know, are everything either bites you, stings you, or pricks you. And it, it's just, there's gangs out there, there's just all sorts, the, the militia is out there, and we are, it's going to be mass chaos that we're entering into. And I don't think, uh, you know, we are ready as a country to, to uh, see what's going to happen. It's not going to be pretty. And I need, as a person of faith, you know, our Republicans and Democrats have failed us on both sides, and we need to, my, my only, uh, option is to offer humanitarian aid and to be present and to inspire people to uh, to love rather than hate. You had, you had mentioned uh, when we were down there, uh, Randy, that the, this is a version of Killing Fields. Yeah. And, it, and that, that really, just stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, you know, when people, uh, there's now crosses 
where people have died, you know, within a quarter of a mile. They're all up and down our community, uh, even within our community. Can you imagine some be, somebody being uh, dying within, you know, 100 yards of your house and being so afraid of uh, what might happen there, they won't knock on the door. Um, so close and yet so far. That's happening. I see it all the time. It takes a lot of strength, I would imagine, to have dealt with this for five administrations and still invest the hope and the humanitarian support. How, how do you take care of yourself? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty grounded and I uh, have a great faith community here. Um, I, but I also have a lot of, you know, our Samaritan group is a group of folks that are very committed, 300 people, um, and to connect with them who are seeing the same things. So we have lots of gatherings uh, to support one another. Um, but really, it's also to meet a person in the desert. Um, my life is always changed by the people I meet there. They're um, just push and drive to, um, to live, to take care of their family. They're inspirational and it breaks my heart. It's harrowing and yet it's also something very beautiful. Well, I'm going to close out this segment with the website about the Samaritans that I encourage uh, individuals to go to um, gvs-samaritans.org to learn more about the work that's being done. In our next segment, we'll bring back uh, the folks that made the journey and uh, encourage what kind of actions can be taken as well as any other takeaways from the trip that had a, a strong impression. Uh, so we'll be right back. Stay with us for our final segment. It always goes way too fast. Um, but stay with us. Good conversation. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we have been talking about the border. Uh, and we've also been exploring how to love thy neighbor and what does it mean to forge connections in our disconnected Americas. Uh, we have a quote that we – a clip that we do at the beginning um, of every segment. And Rick Bernardo is to be credited for pulling uh, the show together with the great guests that we have and with the segments that he's pulled. So tell us a little bit about this clip. This is one more clip uh, from using the words of uh, – Javier Zamora, he's the author of a book that recounts his journey from El Salvador over three months uh, to be in the United States. He was only nine years old. He could not even tie his shoes. So this is from the Today Show back last September when he published his book uh, uh, as he is author of Solito, a memoir. What do you hope people get out of this book? that immigrants are human and it's more complex than just completely negative and completely positive. It is a complete life and immigrants are that too. Rick, share with yeah. us who you have uh, brought today. 
We have in the studio with us Betsy Cussler from Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. Also, one of the pastors of the church, Seth Patterson. Uh, they were with us, meaning 16 other people, uh, 15 or 16, as we made a trip to the border of Arizona and Mexico. We spent a, a week there in late February. And we also have with us from along the border, Pastor Reverend Mayer. Uh, and so those are the three we have with us this morning, and it's so good to be with them and to hear them. And wonderful to bring in the voice that you did of the, the author who crossed the desert when he was nine years old. Oh, yeah, and he's going to be, Javier Samar is going to be at the uh, Central Library of Minneapolis uh, on the 23rd of May, so just look that up online. But And, uh, and I think Javier yeah, echoed... Yeah. Yeah. Our last segment very well in terms of it's complicated. Yeah. It's been complicated for many years, and it there isn't 100% right and 100% wrong. There's all sorts of responsibility that, that goes out for everyone. Um, and it it isn't uh, the dream versus the reality. It's where do we go from here? Uh, and a question that Martin Luther King asked, uh, community or chaos, uh, where do we go from here? And that's part of our segment today is, at this point, I call it my call to action segment. Um, where do we go from here? What I'd love to do is, is start with you, Betsy, and have you share uh, your insight and, and your suggestions of, of what we can do. I don't know what we can do here yet, but what I saw that was inspiring, as Randy said, we saw it on both sides of the border in Tucson, there's an organization called Casa Alitas, which started with, <clears throat> excuse me, the Border Patrol simply dumping people at the Greyhound bus station, and Catholic Charities stepped in, and over the years, they have now taken over what used to be a detention center for youth. And this is where now the Border Patrol dumps busloads, literally, of people uh, the day that we were there volunteering, it was 300. It's sometimes 800 people a day. They come in, they get clean clothes. They first got a COVID test, and they dealt with that. And then if they were negative, they got clean clothes, they got a hot meal, they got a shower, they got help with transportation. There was a place set up where you have friends in Chicago, we'll get you the bus ticket or the plane ticket to Chicago, and so on. And this was wonderful to see all of this working. I'm sure they will be inundated this week. But we saw the same wonderful compassion, seeing people as human beings on the other side of the border at um, CAME, where they had built a wonderful place that will help 300 people who are in transition, some of whom who have been bought, brought back across the border, dumped back in Mexico and told no. And they stay there, and many of them then try again. So, uh, so support, supporting those programs would be a wonderful way and a call to action to be thinking about. And it's happening, and how can we translate yeah. it in Minneapolis? Because some of those people are coming here and from everywhere. And there are ways that we can translate it here in Minneapolis. There are. There, yes. We we might not be in the borderlands, but we are uh, still part of the same ecosystem. Uh, when we were there, Randy 
Reverend Randy had us uh, read poetry before uh, we would yell presente and hold some silence for people who had died. And the beginning of one of the poems is, No One Leaves Home Unless Home is the Mouth of a Shark by Warsan Shide, the British Somali poet. And so the people that are arriving are leaving mouths of sharks. And here in Minneapolis, we can support uh, two organizations. One is called ICOM, and that's the interfaith um, group of uh, something on migration. I forget the title, mnicom.org, I think. And the other is MIRAC, which is the immig Minnesota Immigrant Rights Action Committee or something like that, MIRAC, so. M-I-R-A-C. <laughs> Any other uh, suggestions for us to think about on what we should do and can do? Something that's been brought up a few times already in this conversation is the idea of stories, what stories are told. Mm -hmm. And our government is telling one story with militarization and squeezing people between our guns and the guns of a cartel. And that is one story and we can work in whatever way we can to change that story. The other story is what people like the Good Valley Samaritans or the Green Valley Samaritans are doing, which is showing up and how can you tell that other story that is also happening here? And we can do that through Mirac, ICOM, and our own um, connections Thank and you, how we spend our money here. Thank you, Seth. Pastor Randy, I only have about a minute, but will you share with us another call to action? Well, you know, calling your representatives and senators, um, fighting... Uh, bad immigration policies, um, just uh, finding uh, migrants' uh, communities and walking aside with them. Uh, there, we, find, we have people that are going all over the country um, in the asylum program, and, and they need people that are going to advocate for them to walk with them. And so just uh, they're everywhere. Migrants, uh, refugees are in all of our communities now, and they all are struggling. If we, but everybody has a little bit of struggle. If we could just reach out and walk with each other um, just a little bit, things would change. Thank you all for sharing your stories um, and your experiences that adds to the story that is a larger one in terms of how how do we be present um, for ourselves, for each other, for the world, for the community? W what does that mean? And uh, there are ways that we can do it here in Minneapolis. Uh, there are ways that we can support uh, by being present as well as perhaps donating as well. I want to make sure that everyone does get this wonderful website, uh, uh, gvs-samaritans.org. Um, also, if you want to go to our Facebook, you'll uh, find all sorts of good things in terms of lists of uh, uh, other, uh, other websites because we don't have time websites. to list all yeah. of them. I wish we did. Well, we, we just invite people to take that walk uh, yes. with people. It's a mutual gift. And we're glad that you're here today to share with us uh, on Connections Radio Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And we'll look forward to having you join us next week as well. Thanks so much. Yeah.